let's go ahead. We're going to start. We'll be in the book of Ephesians. I don't guess I really planned this. We just got here and we're just going through it. We're in Ephesians, the second chapter. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. Now this is not a long chapter. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, one of the old books, Bible study book, telling you how to study the Bible. And I don't agree with him on everything, uh, but pretty good on some things. But with each book of the Bible that you start to study and explore the book, J. Sidlow Baxter is what I'm talking about. Uh, each book, he starts off, he says, read through, if you're going to go through Ephesians, read through the book of Ephesians three or four times before you ever read my book. I like that. You know, it's, that's, and that's certainly, so you have to have an idea of, the, of what it's talking about to get in, to get an understanding of it. All right. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For or because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, 
having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of Ephesians chapter 2. And so keep this in mind. This is a continuation from chapter 1. Uh, these divisions, they aid us in finding Scripture, but they're not a part of the original, of the original text. And so this is a continuation. And you have to quicken. Who's he talking to here? He's talking to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. He's talking to the Gentiles in Ephesus. It's a Gentile land. And those are Gentiles. Were there any Jews in that congregation? I don't know. There could have been. But if there were, there were just a few, one or two. Paul was a Jew, converted Jew. But he included himself with these Gentiles. The Armenians need to understand that. Anyway, if you notice quickened, he quickened, is in italics. And it's, it's not in uh, the original Greek. So why did the translators supply that? That's what those italicized words indicate, that the translators uh, put them there in order to try to smooth it out to give better understanding. It's not that those words don't appear in this context, because they do. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. There they are. So the words are there. The teaching is there. And so I, I like them being there. And you hath he quickened. Now, of course, we know the word quickened is to be made alive. Well, the very next uh, phrase, who were dead? Alive and dead. Uh the word necro, a necrophiliac is somebody who has an obsession with the dead. That's the Greek word for dead. It's used anytime you're talking about death. So he means they were actually dead in the capacity that they were dead. He said, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Not dead to trespasses and sins, but dead. Now there's the doctrine of total depravity. I did not derive that doctrine from John Kevin. I don't know that John Calvin had anything to do at all 
with my understanding of that doctrine. I believe I understand that doctrine from the word of God. So anybody, now, we talk about Arminianism and Calvinism. I've read this to you before. I wish I had it now. The comparison of the five points of Calvinism to the five points of Arminianism. Calvinism really has nothing to do with John Calvin. It's just a name. It's a system of doctrine. Tulip, T, total depravity. The corresponding Armenian doctrine says that man is not naturally dead in trespasses and sins. He only got wounded in the fall in the Garden of Eden. And that if you if you work with him enough, you can fan the sparks and create life within him. That's what Arminianism says. And you see how they act and you can understand they do believe that. That man is not totally depraved. It's, it's a big issue. But now, if you don't understand this doctrine, I hardly see that you can understand any of the rest of them. If you don't understand the doctrine of total depravity, I don't know how you can understand salvation by grace. If you don't understand total depravity, you can't see the need for salvation by grace. Okay? Who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein? Wherein being dead in trespasses and sins? In time past, well, he's talking to save people here. In time past. And you know what? That can be said of every saved person that's ever lived. Because none of us were born saved. Every one of us had to come to the knowledge that we were dead in trespasses and sins, that we were hell-bound, hell-deserving sinners, and we had to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That happened at one point in your life, or else you're not saved. Nobody was, somebody said, well, I've always believed. Well, you better be careful about that. You see, the Campbellites talk about believing. But they say you must believe and repent. You listen to them. Every time you hear a Campbellite refer to repentance and faith, they always put faith first and then repentance. But the Bible puts it the other way. Repent and believe. But here's the reason they do it. Because the faith that they're talking about is nothing more than demonic faith. As James said, the devils 
also believe and tremble. So if, if that kind, is that the kind of faith they're talking about? But that's all they've got. So that well, you got to believe in God before you can be before you believe in Christ. Well, I agree with that, but that's not saving faith. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and so repentance, repent, metanoia, compound Greek word, meta change, noia mind, change of mind. Drastic change of mind. You repent of your unbelief. And you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But what they're doing, they're repenting of their belief. Even though their belief is not salvation, they don't know that. They're even repenting of that. Theologically, that's what they're doing. Anyway. Wherein in time past, and that can be said of every child of God. Ye, the second person plural, you also walked according to the course of this world. This world has a course. It has a, it has a projected line. I think about it. When I think you're a course, you lay a course of brick. Lay a course of block. I guess I'm, I'm stuck on that because I used to work around to do some of that. I never did, never was a bricklayer, but I worked with bricklayers and stuff. Anyway, you lay a course of brick, you get your line set, and you butter your brick. That's what they do with the trowel, you butter it. That's what they call it. Get that brick and get it in there, get your level set it up. And when you go to the end of the road to the corner, that's the finishing of that course. That's one course of brick. And you make all the courses until you get the thing finished, but it's done in courses. Well, there's a course of this world. What is the direction of this world? Well, John tells us in his epistles. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For the love of the world is enmity against God. And what is the course of this world? Everything about this world, the course of it is totally against God. Proof. Now, this wasn't original with me. I read uh, Francis Schaeffer's books, which were great, but along this line years ago but he convinced me all of the disciplines meaning when you go to college you may study art you may study music you may study philosophy and whatever else science can you all name one of those? And there's plenty of others. But those are just some that come to my mind. Can you name one of those disciplines that is more 
God-honoring today than it was a hundred years ago. Any one of those. Well, we're just talking about old music. Where has music gone? It's gone the course of this world. Gone into filth. Where has literature gone? Into filth. Where has philosophy gone? Oh, where has science gone? Name them all. Every one of them are forward. They've gone completely away from God. That is the course of this world. <laughs> and I walked according to that. Mm. You know, I talk a lot about evolution and creation. It's really something I think about a lot. I was in ignorance. But when I was in junior high school, I was a teacher's pet in science class. I was going to be a geologist. I would enter those science fairs. You used to have citywide. I was going to Lexington Junior. We would compete with Morton and Tate's Creek. Not Tate, didn't have Tate's Creek, but uh, Lafayette. We'd all have meet in a big gym, one of the big gyms, and we'd all have science projects. And then they would judge them all. I didn't just win gold, uh, blue ribbons. I got gold ribbons on my rock collection. And it had a bunch of rock collections. But mine stood out. You know why? Because I'd stand there with my rock collection and I would teach evolution. Because I'd swallowed what those teachers told me. And then one day, God struck me with what I was doing. And I quit it. And then my teacher came up in class and she said, uh, we all came from ape-like creatures. I held my hand up. Used to be her pet. Now I'm not going to be her pet anymore. I said, Ms. Williams, that was her name. I said, you might have come from a monkey. But I said, I didn't. I said, God made me just like the Bible says. She jerked me out of class. Took me to old Frog Deacon's office. He, Deacon was his, Deacon was his last name. We called them decon rat poison and everything else. But <clears throat> I mean, he chewed up one side and down the other with me. They didn't kick me out. They tried to, but they didn't, they didn't get to kick me out then. But, I mean, I was done. You know, I, I was done. You said, well, you shouldn't have done that. Hogwash. 
I'm thankful I had, I had the guts to do it. Because I sure had swallowed their, their line. And how wrong I was. My, 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 my. Anyway, that's walking according to the course of this world. And that was according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, let's see, this Paul writes this word about, I don't know, Ephesians 62 maybe A.D. Now, I don't think Paul's looking forward. To Satan being chained and bound. These preterists, they say that Satan is already chained and bound. Well, he wasn't chained and bound then. I believe he will be, but you've got to go to Revelation, the 20th chapter, to find that deal when he gets chained and bound. Oh, that's just symbolic. Your head is symbolic. That's scripture. That's scripture and it means what it says. And that's according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. Look at John 16 real quick. Jesus says, uh, he's come and reprove the world, verse 8, of sin, of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Who's he talking about? The prince of the power of the air, the prince of this world. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, he brought walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's not chained and bound. You'd have to be a bumbling idiot to believe that. You really would have to be. Uh, so you're embarrassing people, offending them. Well, that's what I'm here for. Anyway. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience is the prince of the power of the air. He's a spirit being. He's not a physical being. But he's a created being. He has only derived power. And God permits him to do what he does while he's doing it. But it will come to an end one day. But it hasn't as of yet. And so he talks about the course of this world. Verse 3, the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. That word conversation means conduct in times past. The children of disobedience, I don't think they're saved people. But he says we all had our 
conduct in times past. And what was that doing? Satisfying the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Now that's not all talking about just sexual stuff. But there's all kinds of lust of the flesh. And, and the flesh tells us that's what we need to do. Fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, if it feels good, do it. That's the mood of the world, isn't it? Well, and we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. There was a time when I wasn't a child of God. When I wasn't a child of God, I was a child of the wrath of God. Now, some try to say, make that believe that babies die and go to hell. I don't think it says that. I think it's talking about our nature. David said, I came forth from my mother's womb speaking lies. Did didn't get much more than a start, did he? And that's where we are and talking about our nature. That nature is what we got from Adam when he sinned against God. He transgressed the law of God. And that plunged us all into the nature and the depravity and ultimately the curse that we're in. All you got to do is get just a little age on you. And you may not have to do that. It may even come earlier than that. You're going to have to learn to live with some pain, folks. There's no way that them pain centers can stop all of your pain. If you take enough medicine to get rid of all the pain, you're going to be a drug head. And then your body's going to be eat up, be destroyed. There's some pain you just got to learn to live with. I know when I started with my knees. Of course, I looked up the internet and all that and got the uh, big clinics up in Minnesota and New York and Cleveland and got rid of all of them. And they tell you everything about bad knees, you know. Standard stuff, lose weight, change your diet, uh, do a certain amount of exercise, all of the stuff. And take this pill and that pill or whatever. But you know what the last issue was on all of them? Learn to adjust your life. <laughs> there was a whole tale right there. Just do that and don't worry about the rest of it. Because you're not going to change it. You can't do anything about Arthur, can you, honey? I mean, you know, Arthur, I mean, Arthur was even on dinosaurs. They find dinosaurs with arthritis. Now, they weren't 65 million years ago. They were back since the flood. Anyway, anyway. We all had our conversation, our conduct in times past. Well, now, say, well, all that stuff's gone now. No, it's not. <laughs> Where'd it go? It's still right there in the old man. That's where it is. Every bit of it. 
That's why we've got that big battle to fight. The flesh lusts against the spirit. And they're contrary one to another. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And that's where we were. And our natural selves and people that are not saved right now, that's who they are. They're not saying, so well, you've got to tell them about the love of God. No, no, they need to know that they're children of the wrath of God. The wrath of God abides on their heads. Well, be nice about it. How are you nice about that? I mean, you, okay, put a little salt on it, but you ain't going to get rid of that. You, there ain't no nice way to do that. And people get mad, mad, mad. I've made them so mad in churches. I don't hear this doctrine total depravity. I want to talk about how good we are and how much God ought to be thankful we're here. But God, now by nature the children of wrath, and then here, but God. What a wonderful interruption here. Now, being children of wrath, walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, being, being hoodooed by all of that, being a child of the wrath of God, what is it that I need more than anything, mercy. Amen. Well, God's rich in it. <laughs> God is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Now, he's not saying that to the world. Keep in context who he's talking to. He's talking to a limited group of people. People who, who qualify for what he said in verse 1 of chapter 1. The, uh, the saints of God at Ephesus to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And they're in a church situation. Alright, so. His great love wherewith he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in. Sins. Keep that in mind. Not dead to sins. The people, they use all this stuff against you. That one guy on that, uh, I get it on the emails. Quarrel or something like that. And he always brings up stuff trying to, trying to destroy the teaching of the word of God. Jesus said, I'm the door. We know he didn't mean he's a literal door, but he literally is everything a door does. We're not a, a light, but spiritually, we are to be everything that a light does to a dark world. Give light, hold forth the word of life. Anyway, so there's nothing wrong with the Bible. It's just all of the Fools that try to destroy it because they've said in their hearts, no God. When we were dead in sins, now this is in the original, hath quickened us together. 
made us alive together with Christ. Well, Christ is alive. And he has quickened us. If you're a child of God, you have been quickened. You have passed from death unto life. That's what we stated with our baptism. That we passed from death unto life. Christ died, was buried, rose again the third day. I was represented in Christ, my Savior. So I died with Christ and was buried and have risen again to walk in newness of life. Amen. Have quickened us together with Christ. What a little parenthetical clause here. Don't lose sight of this. By grace you are saved. Grace, that's the unmerited favor of God. Meaning you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Well, what a little parenthetical clause that is there. Keep that in mind. Anytime. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together. Just as he raised up Christ from the dead. He's raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places is in italics, but it would say in the heavenlies, but places is all right there. Oh, in Christ Jesus. That's how we sit together in the heavenlies. It's in Christ Jesus. As Adam was the federal head of the whole human race, Jesus Christ the last Adam, the firstborn among the dead, that he is the head of a brand new race of human beings, and they are his children by the grace of God. And good stuff. Now look at this, verse 7. All of that, so that in the ages to come. Look back at Matthew 6 real quick. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation... But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Now here's what I wanted you to see. Forever. Same word. <laughs> the ages to come. Same word. Forever. There's the ages to come. Now all these evolutionists, they've got all these uh, 16 billions of years and all that. And it won't be long, they'll be, they'll be expanding that because they'll need more, more years. They don't have enough years yet. They believe that years, is uh, that's their bailout for all of their problems with evolution. They've got all those eons, ages. They don't have any idea what they're talking about. We don't have 
ages for human beings. We just go back about 6,000 years. But now there are ages <coughs> that are going to far exceed <coughs> 16 billion years. You may say it, the ages to come, or you could just say forever. <laughs> That'll take you a lot further than 16 billion. See, they just don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, so we're not against ages. We just don't have them on that end. We got them on this end. Anyway, in the ages to come, I think Paul believed they were coming. Sounds like it, doesn't it? That in the, he didn't say if they come. No, he said pretty positive statements here. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now I say, what are going to be doing in eternity? Well, I don't know everything we're going to be doing, but I know some of it is going to be this. We're going to be seeing the grace and the kindness and the mercy of God in Christ Jesus throughout all ages, forever. Was that a worthy objective to do all this? I think so. I believe so. <clears throat> anyway, because, verse 8, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, there's some controversy. We say that faith is saving faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So what does it refer back to? Some of them say, oh, what if it refers to grace? No, dummy, grace is not something God gives out. Grace here is how God moves towards us. That's all his. But in his moving by grace, he says the gift of God is not only, it is the faith, but it's the whole ball of wax, how God moved us. It is all the gift of God. Has nothing to do with us. It didn't come from us. Not at all. It's all from God. You got to watch people. You you sometimes tell how they read the scripture, what they believe. If you listen real close, when they read verse eight, here's how I think it should be read: For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God. All right. Or you may hear it read: For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. De-emphasize that. 
I think that needs to be emphasized. Because that's referring back to everything he just talked about. It is a gift of God. And if it's a gift of God, it's not of works. Of course, he says that, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, if you worked and earned your salvation, you'd certainly have something to boast about. I mean, I don't know what to say about that, how far you could go with that. If you earned your salvation... God owed it to you. It was like wages. You work for your boss, whoever it is. Brother Lester, you paint 10 cars for your boss. And he gives you a check. And he puts down in that little box. Gift. You going to say something to him about that? That's no gift. You earned every dime of that. He owed it to you. But now if it's a gift, it's a completely different matter. But you wouldn't accept that. None of us would. We worked all week, and you get your paycheck, and he writes gift on there. Not a gift. That's what I earned. And by law, you owe it to me. Well, God doesn't owe salvation to anybody. It is a gift of God. Verse 10. <laughs> now that's for or because. We are his workmanship. Now, my, my. There's no way you can... Uh, Get in on that. It's all a gift. And besides that, we are all his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Well, we was created in Adam, but we're created in Christ Jesus. We're his workmanship completely. And the Objective of this is under good works. The good works didn't bring it to pass. But what God has wrought in us, it's unto good works. God didn't save us to continue living a devilish life, walking the course of this world. He saved us that we might walk in good works. And we like to talk about being predestinated in Christ Jesus. But he said. God had before ordained. That we should walk in them. There's predestination too. That's all part of the. Pro orizo. The predestination of God. Lord I've been doing a lot of good stuff today. Well, wait a minute. You don't talk like that to God. If you happen to do anything good, it was predestinated by God a long time ago and ordained in you, created in you. 
Then he's going to talk about some more stuff here. Look at John 6 real quick. Just look real quick at verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Now you talk about eternal security verse. That'll do it. Now look over at verse 65. Just don't have time to read it all. And he said, therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I think I'm going to quit there. We'll take this up next time.